Hey, this is Max Alper, and you are listening to Lameem Young. Boom, 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 boom. Critical listening. You know the deal. We're listening to tracks that you enjoy, but also have questions about. We're going to cover it from a musical theory, ear traditional ear training angle, as well as a critical or tech, technical ear training angle based on uh, what some, how something is composed and how it is recorded, amongst other things. Technical ear training, again, relating to channel stripping. How do we hear frequencies and loudness, not as pitch and dynamics, but thinking about, well, what type of compression settings do we think were used on this drum track? Or, you know, how did this, how do we create this filter with a basic EQ? I like this filter sound. So these are questions to have. I am going to, once again, open up my DAW to a little blank piano document so that I may share some basic sounds with you if I need to demonstrate anything. But now is your chance to send the examples that you want to hear and discuss with your questions into the chat. We will listen to it, and then we will talk about it. Just waiting for my DAW to reload because I had to restart it now that I'm using my Zoom audio device, just like I said. And my computer's a piece of shit, so it's taking longer than usual. Okay. Opening up the piano my digital piano track. Uh, let's see. Peter has an example for us to start. Give me one second here. I'm going to share my sound. Well, yeah. Go into the piano settings. Load, damn you, load. Come on now. We all hear that, yes? Okay, great. Awesome. Let me just make sure my Zoom levels are loud enough coming through the monitors here. It's a little quiet on my end. Cool. All right. Peter has our first track of the day to listen to. Peter writes, Floral Shop is a really loud album in technical loudness sense in a way that's clearly intentional. The loudness help, helps make it sound oppressive and panicked like an intrusive thought. I'm very inspired by the way it uses ostensibly purely technical facets of music towards artistic ends. Question one, what specific techniques was Vectroid using to achieve this extreme loudness? And question two, Seeing as it's a culture jammy album from 2011, what if any artistic critical dialogue is Floral Shop creating with the iTunes CD era through loudness? 
Interesting questions. We're talking all about the war on loudness here. Good question. Let me open up our tab. Let me open up the YouTube so we get our example. Goddamn Grammarly ad about to start already muted. Skip. Damn you. Okay. Oh, no, it's another Unison ad. It wasn't Grammarly. It was Unison. No, Unison, you don't get time on my stream. Skip the ad. All right. Let us go ahead and listen. Vectroid, a.k.a. Macintosh Plus, Floral Shop. Probably recognize this. Here we go.
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. Hold on. Let me pause that shit. Macintosh, the OG. The OG right there. Um, let's talk about <coughs> let's talk about the loudness from a technical side of things before getting into the uh, the why related to this is you know vaporwave of the early 2010s, which was of a certainly of a different listening era technologically for us, as Peter mentioned, the CD and iTunes era versus now being the streaming era. Absolutely right. Um, at least as far as like wide adoption of things go. Um, definitely the iTunes era, that's for sure. But with that, everything uh, has its own loudness setting, you know, related to mastering. This is, uh, this is what the war on loudness is. We'll get there. Let's talk about the loudness as far as just dynamics go in this track. The way that I hear a lot of Macintosh Plus's work and some of the, you know, true vaporwave sort of plunderphonic sample-based stuff and not just creating, you know, 80s, slow 80s style sounding synthwave um, is that everything has this tape, like not necessarily saturation to it, but like kind of flat, really heavy limitation on everything where there's very little dynamic range. You notice if we go back and listen to it, um, I, I was looking at the, the meters on my, uh, on my mixer while listening to it. And basically everything except for the ending is basically all one dynamic level. We might have, you know, like a drum drop uh, at some point, which creates a bit more uh, compositional growth, but when we have this quiet, quote unquote, quiet intro here, it's still super limited. And because of that, super loud. Listening to this, if you looked at the waveforms, it would be fat, stacked from uh, floor to ceiling. This is loud. This is our, this is really loud. <coughs> and this is our, you know, subtle intro. So right off the bat, I'm already getting like stacked on my meters. This is through heavy limited, heavy compression, and not even necessarily in compression in the like, you know, side chain creating this, you know, not creating that like heavily enveloped side chain sound, but rather just setting the, the uh, threshold of a limiter at least uh adding at least or creating the uh raising the floor the dynamic floor the quietest point at least up 10 decibels because if this original recording was slightly quieter you know like if the original tape had a bit more dynamic range to it this has been nothing but boosted flattened with a limiter to create this much more present in your face and ultimately kind of saturated tapey sound here <laughs> Like when the drums actually come in, it's really not that much louder in the levels by any means. We're already kind of peaked. We're 
but thinking about the you know the loudness here it's pretty you know blasted the entire time what makes the what makes it seem much more of a dynamic shift when the drums and vocals drop is because we're hearing that much more uh high frequencies you know this main pad and bass and saxophone is all very warm it's all very mid and low but when the real crispy hi-hats and sibilancy uh vocals come in we're suddenly hearing all these like all these really tight crispy equally limited and you know like flatline limited and blasted but that much more boosted in the highs here so it creates that sort of psychoacoustic response where we suddenly hear all these higher frequencies and we think that we're that they're louder than uh the lower frequencies as far as decibels go but it's really just the way we perceive sound is that higher frequencies manage to kind of ride on top that's why if you ever looked at like a chorus for example uh you might have like alto and soprano like the women's section uh sectioned very you know organized but you'll have the men kind of scattered the lower voices that way they're kind of compensating for all this high frequency coming from the soprano section specifically you gotta like insert some tenor bass frequencies into the physical mix right the the arrangement and orchestration live staging of a chorus uh even more so getting into the placement of orchestral instruments right like you only need one guy playing the cymbal and he's going to be way in the back right even though he's you know he's obviously a louder or they're obviously a louder performer but those frequencies of the cymbal crash uh is really unlike any of the other sort of frequency ranges of the orchestral instruments they're incredibly high and shrill compared to anything else you know because most string players aren't trying to get this sound out of it that's bad technique uh so i hope that makes sense from in this track in the very least thinking about like this idea of limiter as a way of creating uh, a fat sound uh but also a saturated sound uh which works well in this case it kind of makes it sound a bit more uh even though this is of the cd era uh it feels more like it we're watching some sort of vhs the warbliness of it uh the warmth the low end of that now getting into the question about uh <clears throat> what was it uh seeing as the is a culture jammy album from 2011 it's kind of the vaporwave aesthetic look uh you know with the greek greco-roman uh statue and the shitty cg <laughs> cg uh uh visuals uh peter asks what is the artistic critical critical dialogue is floral shop trying to create with with this itunes cd era through loudness and i think it's like kind of prophetic towards the way that things are is that in forward thinking in the trajectory of the war on loudness is that things are just going to keep getting louder now to the point where it's pretty normal to have just like a brick wall huge wave stacked waveform master that it's just like limited and compressed beyond any real depth of from real quieter sounds to louder sounds everything's gotten objectively louder 
So maybe in this case, this is kind of like taking the sounds of the past, but making them seem that much more alienating and surreal and hauntological, right? Something is off about them, not just in the way that they're pitched and we have those CD skipping effects, which are both make for really interesting rhythmic moments, but also kind of tongue in cheek of yes, like this is the CD, the early shitty CD from 1988 or whatever is skipping. But on top of that, it's like maybe thinking about how do we reimagine these sounds in a not the way that they were originally mixed being that they were quieter and had a bit more, you know, dynamic subtlety to it. Uh, but that like we presented it this smack you in the face loudness uh, through heavy compression and limiting uh, to create, to make it seem that much more not off-putting, but different than what it originally was. This is definitely not mixed in the 80s like some of the original materials might have had. Um, I can't speak to what uh, the artist was uh, thinking as far as, if anything, as far as uh, specific ideas in mind related to mix on top of the messaging related to the specific samples they use and also the visuals uh, that they have inspired so many other artists to have aesthetically in the vaporwave scene. Uh, but it's definitely a statement. It's definitely a statement and very alienating to some people for sure. That's definitely, there are definitely uh, more accessible tracks of Macintosh Plus than this one. This track also is called Boot in English. Of course, everything is in fucking Japanese originally. Um, so, you know, make of it what you will. Thank you, Peter. Lucas has a track for us. Uh, what do we have here? Lucas says, I got this track by Zuli. There is a wild bass swell that distorts the entire track. I think it may be interfering the saturation on the master. What do y'all think? That's a good ponder. Let me open this up here. Is it gonna work if I don't have a YouTube music account? I think so, yeah. Trigger Finger by Zuli. Pick five art. Oh no, it's making me. I've never used YouTube music before. Done. Just press done. Get out of here. Get out of here, advertisement YouTube music. Let me play this track. Hello. Play. <laughs>
That was fucking fat. <laughs> I see what you mean there. <laughs> I see what you mean there as far as the uh, blasted, uh, blasted master bus uh, idea of how something is happening along the somewhere in the signal flow that is creating a absolutely red uh, clipped out signal that is doing something to either reduce the bit rate or just max out the signal to the point where there it just kind of sucks out the sound until the maxed out signal uh, reduces itself. So the question is, how do we create a similar, a similarly saturated sound without actually like clipping? our master or creating a, how do we create that sound as an effect without actually going red and the answer red in our final master and and the answer is gain staging um which is you know i've said it multiple times before but the idea of having multiple effects with their own decibel range uh gain you know so that if you wanted to you could have several stacks of red on a compressor, on a EQ. You could have multiple stacks of red happening here where you're just creating distorted signal up compounded on top of itself. But the final layer of that chain, you have a limiter or a compressor that just makes sure it never gets past like negative five on your negative five to unity, meaning it will never get to 100% meaning you will never actually go red in the final channel, in the master itself. Everything is accumulative, right? So if you think about how the tone will change based on turning up the bass, on, like literally bass boosting to 100% your EQ and turning up the gain on that to 100%, but then having your, uh, your compressor following that in the chain with a limiter on it that is automatically reducing whatever sends it to it to five decibels below the neutral sound, the zero sound. So you automatically be scooping out however many decibels from 100%, um, which is how you avoid clipping in your master while still keeping it fat. Think about a guitar amplifier has a gain knob and a volume knob. If you set your gain knob to, to 11, you set your gain to 10 at the at maximum, right? But then you set your volume to one. You're still going to have a really, really saturated, distorted overdrive signal because you're sending 100% gain. But the final output of the amplifier is still going to be quiet because you've set your, your volume of the volume knob, meaning the master volume of your amplifier, at only 10%, like one, you know what I mean? So you end up with this super saturated, distorted signal because your gain stage is maxed out, but the volume itself is scooping most of it so that you end up with a relatively quiet signal 
and still saturated tone. So think about it the same way with plugins. Uh, if you're going for something that you want to just blast out the bass, because that was bass boosted. That's what we had here. When you distort in the bass, it creates this sort of bit crushed kind of like fattening that just scoops out every other sound until it subsides in that overdriven bass signal. What you could do is have a, a EQ early in the chain or maybe multiple EQs if you want to like bass boost on top of your bass boost. I'm not sure exactly what their tone, what their setup here as far as creating this signal, but you could literally do more the merrier. Uh, so as long as the final link in the chain or one of the after your many distorted gain stages, you add something to limit the output below the uh, unity 100%. Okay. Does that make sense? If we go. No, I could try actually doing something like this here. I could actually open up my logic and we can just look at me do something silly like this real quick. Uh, if you have a follow-up question, Peter, share it. But let me actually show you how I would do this um, with logic. Uh, let's see here. Um, I have to make sure that my input is correct. My input has to be audio box. There we go. Make sure that's going. Wow, 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 wow. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to record my voice. And then I'm going to add like three layers of... I don't know. I'll do a bass boosted sound. I'll make a fart noise with my voice and then we'll bass boost it beyond comprehension, but make sure that it's limited at the end. So everything is nice and uh, not overpowering the actual uh, decibels, decibel chain. Come on, hurry up, bro. You guys seeing my, my pinwheel of death right now? It'll get there. It'll get there. Come on, baby. You know how I like it. Come on now. Okay, there we go. Cool. All right, great. So let me turn on my microphone. Do this here. Blah, blah, blah. Great. Cool, 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 cool. Let me just record this. Turn off the... There we go. Disc too slow. I'm running this shit. Here we go. Great. <laughs> All right. Let's just make sure we hear that first. Great. Now let's just gain stage this to shit just for fun. This is what I dig. This is for funsies. First thing I'm going to do actually is put the limiter at the very end and set it to, let's say, negative seven. Because we're going to get a little gracie. Here we go. Let's gain stage. Watch. Add a new channel. 
bass boost it. System overload. There we go. Add another gain stage. There you have it. Something happened there. Uh, it was art. That was some art. <laughs> I got a little distracted with my wonderful sounds. Uh, Peter asked, I've done stuff like this before. When I've tried to use a limiter on the clipping track to keep the master of the green, it blunts the force of the sound instead of preserving the aggression of it. What is happening technically there? So you have, imagine a limiter as the ceiling and the floor and what i did was i just scooped the ceiling down the highest point all the way out here but you still have all this stuff that before had some extra headroom right if it wasn't a super maxed out signal but you know like relatively orange green yellow sort of signal you would have that much more headroom but now there's no headroom so everything is going to be hitting its blasted peak that much easier right if i raise the ceiling it's going to be a bit less of a drastic maxed out uh sort of it reduce it limits not only volume or rather decibel outrage but it actually limits dynamics it makes everything of one dynamic range musically does that make sense um that's why it creates that much more aggressive, like blasted sort of sound. In this case, this is just my art, you know? I mean, I, I, it's my passion. You know, sound design is my passion, as, as they say. Uh, hope that made, hope that helped, uh, Lucas. Uh, I know you're starting to get more into the, the mixing side of things. So always an interesting experiment figuring out how to, you know, destroy your DAW with plugins and then destroy your CPU while you're at it. Uh, let's do one more, one more example. Anyone got some tracks they want to, questions, anything we should just listen to, analyze. I was also thinking about bringing up one of something myself that I would think we could listen to. Uh, all right, we got one from Steven here. Jacquard Causeway by Boards of Canada. As a fan listener, I just get lost in this track's lushness, but get confused. Hold on, but get confused when trying to listen critically. Specifically, what is going on with this song rhythmically? 
I'm generally really bad at counting out non-standard overlapping rhythms, but this one makes me get lost almost instantly. Curious how others unpack the rhythm. The opening phrase sounds like it is in four and a half beats. The core beat appears to be in three beats per measure. It seems to use typical melodic phasing, like this one might with a few, as one might do with a few loopers. Okay, all good questions. Let me open it up here. If I can get my, where's my Apple Music? Here it is. Boards of Canada, Jacquard Causeway. Boards of Canada Causeway Apple Music Loading, here we go.
passing. It's been a minute since I've heard any BOC. One of the earliest, I guess, ambient groups, the amb ambient electronic examples I can think of, uh, of hearing going back to like late elementary school. I had a family friend's father from London who just had a massive CD collection and he was like, oh, you should listen to this. The classic gateway drug boards of Canada. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, so what we're hearing here rhythmically is absolutely uh, in a meter of three. Um, the foundation of it being that drum, that drum part. But what you had written, Stephen, uh, as your question, uh, was a great way of putting it, uh, <clears throat> that there seems to be the use of typical phasing that one might have using loopers. Uh, and that's exactly what's happening here, is that what we're hearing here is looping based on one foundation recording that is in three, that initial drum uh, machine, but then these other loops on top of it aren't perfectly quantized to the exact grid of the first recording. So they're recorded manually like one might do into a loop station pedal where you have multiple signals of different clocks or playing live going directly in by hand to some sort of sequential looping device where it will have this sort of imperfection wonkiness at times. And Boards of Canada is really, really good at creating this sort of ambient swing effect in a lot of their stuff that has this sort of shuffle that is very much in the pocket, as we would say, as drummers would say, we, uh, I mean, I drum sometimes, but uh, I used to be a more serious drummer. Uh, but the uh, the pocket refers to that <laughs> indescribable, not necessarily dragging, not necessarily rushing, but this kind of swung feeling that just has not perfect. Every single time you're going to have these slight imperfections going on here. But what it is, is that you have contrast between something that is very, you know, evenly rooted that initial drum loop in three, and having these other elements floating on top of it that aren't perfectly aligned with that uh, foundational drum loop, our ear is still going to sort of rely on that foundational drum loop to be grounding us in three. So we never feel like we lose track of the tempo because the tempo is still determined by that initial or that main drum loop, despite other loops not perfectly syncing up with it, but it is in three. It's just not quantized. It's a, a very analog, analog, uh, imper Im imperfectly perfect kind of uh, sequential piece, um, which creates again for that nice sort of sometimes seemingly syncopated uh, rhythmic phrases, other times just kind of swung pockety sort of wonky uh, in rhythmic uh, sort of uh, repetition, not necessarily repeating itself perfectly every single bar. Um, it's about contrast. It's a contrast between seemingly straightforward and, uh, you know, perfectly quantized loops 
versus elements that lie on top of it that are not perfectly quantized. Uh, if we didn't have every, if we had our lower level, that, that, that initial drum loop also seemingly going in and out of three, uh, we wouldn't feel rhythmically grounded in this at all. It would feel that much more of like a overarching multi, multi uh, multimeter piece. But what this is, is relatively syncopated rhythms over a standard three, random standard three, four time signature. Okay. Um, I hope that makes sense. Uh, this type of piece, you know, really is about the layering and, you know, being that these guys were from the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, quantization and looping in a grid and all these things didn't become that much more standard until, you know, two, at least, you know, 2000, late 2000s, 2010s, you know? Um, so hope that makes sense. I hope you all enjoyed our session today. Uh, happy to be listening with y'all. Really great stuff. Uh, and we had a twofer today. We did a whole, we did a whole, a double, a double header today, monthly projects and critical listening. Um, hope y'all have a great rest of your Sunday. Hope you enjoyed this. And I will see y'all later in the week. Take care, everyone. Deuces. Thank you for listening to another episode of Lameem Young with me, Max Alper. You can sign up for the Patreon virtual classroom at lameemyoung.com, where we also are now offering monthly and weekly private lessons for those looking to get a more individualized pedagogical approach. Thanks again.